Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms, and here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right, all right, Bettys. I wanted to start, we're going to do a series this month on Geeky Magic around weight loss because this is one of the more popular times, if you will, uh, that people are looking to make changes in their habits, make changes in their mindset, make changes in their life in general. And I often find myself with lots of emails, lots of DMs around weight loss. And I wanted to walk you through a process that is going to help you uh, not only define the goal, but follow it through because there's nothing more annoying (laughs) than putting in all the effort in terms of trying to lose the weight and you can do it for a couple weeks, let's say, and then you fall off. And of course, what happens? You blame yourself. You think there's something wrong with you. And I think as women, we are very much, um, uh, we, we have a tendency to blame ourselves. And so I wanted to walk you through, um, I think one of the most, we're going to get into all the specifics because I know everyone's like, tell me exactly what you do. Tell me exactly how you work out. Tell me what this is, tell me that. And I will do all of those things, but we are going to start with the biggest piece of advice that I could give you. And this is going to extend beyond weight loss, but specifically if you have made a weight loss goal for yourself, um, weight loss is a mental game more than anything else, more than the type of diet, more than the type of exercises. All those are important. You know, your sleep is important. Prioritizing recovery is important. Uh, so I'm not like, you know, blowing, throwing shade on those. Those are, we're going to, we're going to talk about that, but it's also not rocket science, right? Like we all know that choosing, let's say chicken or green peppers or eggplant or whatever is better than chips, right? Is better than the cheesecake is better than the candy or the whatever. So while we are going to unpack weight loss strategies this month, I wanted to start off with the most important strategy. Um, And this is for you to understand how your brain works, particularly in the face of failure. Okay. Because I know that nobody likes to hear the F word, um, you know, this early on in their diet, but guaranteed you will fail 
at whatever diet or whatever program uh, you have set out to do. And it is how you respond in the face of that setback that is actually going to make the difference for you. Okay. Um, and this is, this is the idea. We're going to talk about perseverance um, today because most of us run into problems with the consistent application of the intervention over time, right? Like I said, weight loss is not like rocket science, but it is the consistency and application of the consistency over time that reaps the rewards. So, so often in the new year, I'm already getting uh, DMs in the, in, in, uh, on the gram is we think we're going to get onto a new food plan. We're going to, maybe we're going to try keto. Maybe we're going to, uh, you know, do some sort of caloric restriction. Maybe we're going to cut out, uh, soda and we're going to, you know, try to reduce processed foods, like whatever, whatever it is. And most of us can actually follow these prescriptions pretty well. Like I mentioned, one, two, three weeks, like we can follow them until we don't essentially. And what I mean by that is that anybody can stick to any plan, no matter how restrictive, no matter how painful, no matter how uh, inconvenient um, for a certain amount of time. But what happens when we fall off that plan is what I'm actually exquisitely uh, interested in. This is a critical piece for you to understand what's happening, happening in your brain neurally when you fail. And if you can get this, and I'm going to talk about some strategies to help you overcome what I'm about to outline for you neurologically, you are going to be one of the few who can actually set out a goal and achieve it, whether it's weight loss, whether it's revenue, whether it's growing your practice, whatever it is. So let, okay. So let's, let's give an example with weight loss. Okay. Let's say you're trying to stick to a caloric deficit and you have, you have put, uh, you know, a 1600 calorie, uh, I'm, I'm just pulling a number here, so that might not be the number for you, but let's say 1600 calories is the intake that you're going to have. And you've accounted for your activity and your, you know, your total daily energetic expenditure, et cetera. So 1600 is the number you've chosen and you do really well on 1600 calories for a couple of weeks. And then you don't, right? There's a day, maybe it's a travel day. Maybe you're stuck at work late. Maybe you have a brunch with a friend or, you know, maybe it's none of those things. Maybe just overeat one day, right? Like maybe you're in week four of your cycle. Uh, you don't know the esteema diet protocol and you just overeat. And so what happens, okay, so what happens here, and this is true, whether this is, I've seen this in my high profile, in my CEOs uh, that I've worked with all the way to the general population, when it comes time. Uh, so what I often do with my clients is I will, um, uh, every couple of weeks, I like measurements and I like photos, right? So I like to see progress photos and I like to see measurements. So, um, at least measurements in the waist and hip, but I actually like full body measurements. So usually what happens, whether you're a CEO or you're, you know, somebody may be trying to do a diet on your own. This is the type of languaging that I typically hear. It's like, well, I was doing so well, you know, until last Thursday. And, uh, instead of having 1600 calories, uh, I, I ended up having like 1800 calories. And then I just had the case of the fuckets, right? It's like fuckititis. And, um, I just had the whole cheesecake rather than just having the one that I had originally planned for. And that right there is a really interesting neurological phenomenon, right? So 
obviously eating the one piece of cheese, like, you know, having the one piece of cheesecake and going over your caloric uh, allotment for the day wouldn't really cause you to gain weight. It actually over in the grand scheme of things doesn't really matter, but eating the whole cheesecake matters. Right. Um, and of course having the whole cheesecake or, you know, throwing it into the fuck it bucket, as they like to say, uh, they, because I never say those things. I never swear, even though I've just sworn three times in the past two minutes, uh, I swear all the time. Okay. So, um, you know, what happens here is, um, eating the whole cheesecake activates shame, right? Guilt and shame. Like what's wrong with me? Why did I do this? Why can't I ever stick to anything? Like I can never follow through on what I start, right? And you might think that having one of those experiences, like overeating one time, like having the whole cheesecake and having those feelings of shame and blame and guilt would protect us from another incidence like that happening in the future. But of course we know that that's not true, right? You and I both know that that's not the case. I've had times where I'm like, frick, like I've had so much to eat. Like this is absolutely not what I had planned. Um, and you know, if that were the case, of course, cheesecake companies and the, and the like, you know, wouldn't be in business because we would have learned our lesson and we would have moved on. We would have chosen the veggies every single time over the chips. What actually happens is we repeat this cycle over and over and over again. And it's so frustrating. Like if this is you and you're like, God, like that's me. Like I set out and I'm going to have one piece of cheesecake or I'm going to have one thing. And then I end up having way more than I had actually budgeted for. This is a shame and guilt and blame spiral. I overeat, I get mad at myself and then I go and do it again and again and again. And neurologically, we can explain this because guilt and shame, listen very carefully, my Bettys, guilt and shame activate an area of the brain that is associated with pleasure. I didn't misspeak. Guilt and shame activate an area of the brain that's associated with pleasure. It actually activates an area, area called the nucleus accumbens. And this is an area of the brain where we process pleasure, where we process incentive, motivation, positive reinforcement. It's the same area. There's a, uh, many areas in the brain are involved with addiction, but this is this uh, particular nucleus is also involved with addiction. So if you have been trying your best to stay under 1600 calories and you go over it, let's say you have 1750 or 1800 or whatever, 1900, um, you've all of a sudden broken this imaginary line or this limit or this boundary that you have set up for yourself and your reward and your pleasure centers are going to be lit up, lit up like a Christmas tree. Okay. And you're going to go back for whatever it was that you were trying to avoid. That's the chucking it in the effort bucket, right? That case of effortitis. And this is what we see this with other forms of addiction, right? We see this where uh, a gambler continues to gamble despite losing, right? And they might tell themselves, I just need one more hand. Like the next one will turn it all around. A shopaholic, same thing, right? He or she will continue to shop to make purchases, to shop more as they feel more guilty, right? Or as their credit card debt 
continues to become more and more overwhelming and more and more out of reach to be able to, um, to heart, to, to kind of pull it in, pull the reins in and have control over it. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice. And it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want. And if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. And so I share this with you because I want you to know that it is so hard neurologically to change our behaviors. And you might notice this in others, and maybe you notice this in yourself as well. People who love playing the victim. Oh, I have never been able to lose weight because, and then there's an excuse, right? Um, Or I was told when I was younger that I was fat, or I was told when I was younger that I was ugly, or I was told by my mother, my father, my teachers, my preachers, whoever, Um, that I was a certain way and they keep that story with them. Right. Or, or like I've seen this, I mean, I was told all of those things. I was told that I was ugly. I was told that I was, you know, stupid. I was all of those things. Um, or you, or, you know, uh, a, a woman or a friend, if you see her continually choosing the same type of mate, right. It's the same type of abusive, emotionally unavailable guy. Right. Um, or, he or she has the same type of argument, maybe with their spouse or their mother or whomever over and over and over again. And it's because that the guilt and the shame, um, that they experience by engaging in those behaviors, activate pleasure centers in the brain. So back to weight loss, when you've had the whole cheesecake instead of the slice or the half slice that you were planning on, the guilt and shame that you experience makes you want to feed the reward system again. And that's why you repeat this behavior several hundred or several thousands of times. And so this is why I'm sharing this with you for a reason. There's not doom and gloom. It's like, well, my brain, you know, I'm activating, so I'm just going to give up. No. If you set overly restrictive boundaries in your diet, like I'm only going to consume 1600 calories, you most definitely are potentially, you know, I would say potentially, but I'm going to just be more blunt. You are most definitely setting yourself up for failure until you learn how to deal with the feelings of guilt and shame in your body and how you can prevent the overeating and the self-sabotage in this weight loss game. Now, that's not to say that you can never have more restrictive um, boundaries in your diet, but you must learn to deal with the activation of these pleasure centers in your body. So the first step for you, should you choose to accept, of course, this is always optional, but um, the first step in figuring out uh, if you have any of these unhealthy associations or behaviors around food uh, is 
just, you know, for me, for example, um, I know that tortillas and guacamole, I don't do well with those. <laughs> like Whenever there's tortillas and guacamole present, I eat too much. I tend to, uh, so I always liked it. What I'll do is I actually replace the, um, uh, the tortillas with, uh, vegetables. But the first thing is for you to notice, do you have any, any unhealthy behaviors around food or certain foods? I would gander that 99.98% of you listening have some type of unhealthy association with food or behaviors around food that you may want to change. Uh, and then, so once you've identified the behavior or the association with that food that you'd like to change, then we want to look upstream, right? Because behaviors are actually never the problem, right? And this is the same with parenting, right? It's never the behavior that we want to correct. It's upstream in the brain. Um, because your belief systems, the brain, the stories that you hold in your mind, in your brain, uh, around yourself, right? Around your worth, um, around what you deserve, around your desires, um, are going to drive some of these negative behaviors that self-perpetuate this loop that you really want to stop, but your subconscious or your unconscious keeps driving it forward. So little neural hack I want to share with you is around breaking the addiction uh, of shame and its consequences. So the very first thing I'd like you to do, and this doesn't have to be around food. Uh, it could really be about around anything, but we're going to stick to kind of the food example because, um, because we're talking about weight loss specifically, but this could apply to any type of behavior, any type of shame that you feel, whether it's about your body, whether it's about your capabilities, anything, anything at all. Um, so this neural hack that I want to share with you is to start noticing where in your body, what, in, what it feels like when you feel shame. So what the sensation feels like labeling it and where you feel like, where does it live in your body? And this is a little, this is a really powerful little neural hack because the act of body scanning, right? Identifying where it lives in your body how it feels in your body, and then labeling it and describing how it feels and where it lives, moves the activity in the brain from the nucleus accumbens to the prefrontal cortex. It moves the brain activity away from the pleasure centers that are going to drive some of these negative behaviors and consequences that you don't want um, into the prefrontal cortex. And I've talked about the prefrontal cortex on many podcasts before, but just as a quick recap, the prefrontal cortex, uh, and actually I'd say the frontal lobe of which the prefrontal cortex is a part of, one of the primary um, functions of the PFC and the frontal lobe in general is to act as an inhibitory, uh, inhibitory to lower brain centers. And in this case, the nucleus accumbens in the pleasure center. So as you strengthen the frontal lobe, as you strengthen the activity and activation capacity of the prefrontal cortex, you will naturally increase the inhibition of the activity of some of these lower brain centers and thereby will be able to control your behavior. Of course, the other thing that this does, this labeling 
right? This identifying where and how and what it, what it feels like is it brings consciousness and awareness to some of your habits and your attitudes around eating right? So many of us eat on the go, right? We eat in cars, we eat on, con- we pass by some chips. We put our handful of, you know, this is, that's me with the tortilla chips. Like I, I see tortilla chips out and I take like four or five of them and I don't even think about them. And then the next time I walk by, I take four more, you know? Um, so unconsciously, or there's, you know, some snack in the office lunchroom or whatever. So being awake and aware to how you feel when you eat certain foods is an important modulator for future behavior. Uh, over the Christmas holiday, um, my sons, uh, one of my sons in particular really loves Nutella. So Nutella is basically banned in my house because it's all it is, is like, it's, it's garbage. Um, but he's had it at his, at his cousin's house and he requested it. So he had a croissant and Nutella, and then I put in bananas. So I didn't feel like totally the worst mom ever. Anyway, he had such a bad tummy ache. So, you know, we'll call it GI distress. We had a situation in the bathroom after he had all the Nutella and the croissants and the bananas that he wanted, but he was actually able to identify the association between having that much palm oil and sugar and all the other crap that's in Nutella, um, with his bodily sensations. Okay. So if you do happen to, you know, if, you know, for me, it's like the tortilla that I've been talking about. My son is the Nutella. If you've identified, like maybe it's a, a, a comfort food from your culture. That's another thing for me. Like you give me uh, Portuguese codfish balls. And like, I'm basically going to marry you because I love, <laughs> I love them. I have no, no control. Same with tahini. You give me anything Lebanese and, you know, basically you can have my hand in marriage if you want. Um, but these comfort foods often will bring us back to when we were children, right? When it was like, we weren't thinking about diets or like things were just, you know, maybe potentially easier, um, there. So those are some, that's like my little neural hack for you. The other thing I'd like you to, I'd invite you to explore if you feel so inclined to, is to loosen the boundaries a little bit on what you deem is acceptable. So let's go back to that 1600 calorie thing that I was talking about. So instead of trying to just hit right at 1600 or get, get, you know, 1593 or whatever it is, right? Um, Perhaps a better approach here is to look at it like 1600, give or take, you know, one or, you know, 100 or 200. So that way, if you have 1600 calories and then one particular day you have, you know, call it 1750, you're still winning, right? It's still fine. And I think that this approach is going to start to lay uh, a, a healthy foundation of restoring a normal relationship with food, right? So if you have that 1750 on the day that you, you know, it, it's a kind of, you've set this about 1600 caloric goal, this is still a success, right? It's still a success and it won't necessitate beating yourself up around failing. It's not going to activate those pleasure centers and you're not going to go and have the entire pantry. And this is precisely what we want. So, you know, we've all heard about, and, you know, maybe you're thinking about habit formations now, uh, you know, in terms of like weight loss or getting to the gym more often or doing more meditation or whatever it is. You know, we've all heard that it takes about 21 days, you know, about three weeks or so to form a, like to solidify a habit. But if you can catch yourself 
in, uh, and that little neural hack that I gave you and like, where does it live in your body? How does it feel and label it? If you can do that three or four times, maybe you don't have a solidified habit, but you have like a little squeak of a habit. You have a little baby habit that has the potential to solidify uh, if you continue doing it. And all you have to do to solidify that is to keep going. All you have to do is to continue to name it, right? You feel shame. Where do you feel it? Um, and then of course that's going to have the offshoot benefit of correcting the behavior before it spirals out of control. So you can remain consistent in your pursuit of that goal, whether it's weight loss or otherwise. So that is your homework. Should you choose to accept it? My Betty, um, is label the feeling that you're having, where does it live in your body? and create some looser boundaries in terms of what you deem as successful. It's not 1600 or bust or 1300 or bust or whatever the number is. It's like about around there, give or take 200. Okay. All right. So that is my piece of wisdom uh, for you is something that I talk about with my clients uh, quite a bit. I hope that you found it useful. And until next time, uh, till next geeky magic, I hope you have a great week. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast better with Dr. Stephanie is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare providers, advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only.